Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 309. Thank you for tuning in, guys. I'm joined this week by Robert Eggers, who I was incredibly excited to 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 sit down and have a conversation with. Um, I spoke to a few of my my close friends ahead of ahead of this one, and I was quite nervous about it because I'm a big fan of Robert's work. The Witch was a ama- an amazing debut, a mind blowing debut, and then The Lighthouse had made it into my into my films of the year, and I'd not seen many interviews or conversations with Robert and and these films are like they're proper <laughs> you know so I was like I was quite nervous that I might you know I'm I'm massively into film I study it I adore it but you know everyone has kind of imposter syndrome also in in acting I'm studying more and more but everyone has kind of imposter syndrome and I thought what if I get there and uh and 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 I feel completely out of my depth and um I walked in and was instantly relaxed as, relaxed as soon as we started talking. Number one, we, you know, had similar beards and haircuts. We're both wearing all black. Um, and it, it felt it felt far more relaxed than I was expecting. And what unfolded was one of my favourite conversations. Far from feeling uncomfortable or out of my depth, I felt hugely excited to be discussing these things that that excite me about film and about cinema and about the process and about the results. So yeah, it was a great conversation. Um, I recorded it just before Christmas. Really pleased to to have it out now. The reason it's out now is because The Lighthouse is in the cinemas um, this Friday, the 31st. Is is the 31st Friday? Let me have a look at my calendar. It's out this week anyway. Yeah, the 31st. And... It's fantastic. As you know, it was in my Films of the Year podcast uh, and list. Uh, the cinematography has been has got an Oscar nomination. And yeah, just generally praise all across the board. You'll hear from the conversation. I mean, there's not really any spoilers. We discussed the fact it's a bonkers film, like mad stuff happens. It's really, uh, it's nuts. So we talk about some of that, but I don't really think there's spoilers. Obviously, I'd recommend just going and seeing the film. But yeah, thank you to everyone who tuned in last week for the the Rob Alton episode. That got a lot of love. Uh, the Carl Pilkington episode is still getting a lot of love. I also had the Safdie brothers on earlier this year, another uh, pair of directors who had a film in my Films of the Year list. So go and check that out if you're enjoying, if you're, ch- you're checking out this one and you enjoy it. Um, other than that, I won't say too much. com is where you can buy my music, my merch, my DVDs, all the good shit. And patreon.com slash pip is there. It's kind of the whole idea of my patron is just the only thing you can pledge is a dollar a month. You can't, there's not any tiers to get more. You pledge a dollar a month if you feel that these free podcasts that I put out every week are worth a dollar um, and you want to support um, and pay the people kind of behind the scenes and that kind of thing. So yeah, they they are all the things. Not sure. In fact, let's just get into the podcast. I'll chat a little bit more about next week um, at the end. So yeah, this is episode 309 with Robert Eggers. Right, um, I'm joined today by Robert Eggers. How are you, sir? Very well, thank you. Good, good, good. I mean, we've just been having um, a catch-up off mic, so I feel um, insincere <laughs> kind of in how are you find in the UK. I know you're here for a couple of days. Um, we're here to talk about The Lighthouse, and it's a film that I've been waiting for for a long time for kind of weird reasons. The the original casting director, who was at least listed on IMDb, is one of the casting directors I hassle a lot for roles in stuff. Um and I always, I'm, I'm, I'm a nerd for this shit. So I'll, I'll spend my Sundays. I've, I've told this on the podcast recently, going through IMDb for casting directors. I want to work with yeah. directors, all this kind of thing. And it was one that I kind of looked at. I was like, what the fuck is this film? Like the description seemed quite odd and vague, and the cast seemed to have no one in it yet. It was like it's in pre-production. It's good yeah. to go. I was like, what's going on? So when I finally saw it in the cinema, 
it was already exciting, but then it was just, for something I'd been anticipating for so long, it still subverted every expectation I had because it's Wonderful. just, there's so much in there. Um, so how was it, I guess, to, to, to put together a project like this and get it over the line and get it made? Because it's unusual. Yeah, I mean, look, I feel truly embarrassed, but I people liked The Witch, which was a shock. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't, I, you know, I, I didn't think it, the movie was bad or anything like that. I, but I, but I didn't think it would find uh, as large of an audience as it did. And because uh, it was a genre film, the and because I'm American. Uh, sort of Hollywood saw that, like, the, you know, I could potentially be used to make them money yeah. uh, doing bigger, bigger things. Uh, so uh, I, I've had kind of different opportunities because of that. But luckily, RT Features wanted to work with me again, A24 wanted to work with me again, and New Regency was willing to take the risk on something uh, strange. Yeah. Uh, and, and so in this smaller setting, I had a good degree, degree of, of, uh, of control. Um, and, and those financiers and, uh, distributor like gave me an incredible amount of, of, of freedom. Meet me and my other collaborators. I mean, we, we basically got to do what we, we wanted. There was, what wasn't a lot of compromise that didn't have to do with like physics yeah. And Mother Nature and, uh, you know, time. <laughs> yeah. And I understand that that's a very privileged place to be in, but I, but I was for this and, and I would, needed to seize the opportunity. <laughs> but, but it's a beautiful one because it comes from how things played out naturally. As you said, you probably got a lot of freedom on The Witch because it wasn't necessarily expected to be as big a film as it was. But therefore, if giving you that free, the freedom gave them this huge instant cult classic kind of thing it means that they're going to turn around and go well we'll just give you freedom again i guess i guess yeah that's lucky kind of me <laughs> an ideal situation um can we talk about the casting because it's it's m- mainly just robert patterson and, and willem dafoe and yeah their performances like what's asked of them is insane like there is performances i've never seen from either of them and you know they've both done some amazing performances over the years did you always have them in mind? Was there I, any? I didn't have them in mind when I was writing, uh, which was just sort of a superstition uh, that I have that don't imagine actors unless you absolutely know that they're going to say yes. <laughs> uh, although, you know, Willem uh, and I wanted to find something and Rob and I wanted to find something. And when this became the thing on my slate that looked like it was going to go, there was absolutely no option yeah you know? i mean yeah. who else who else could play these roles yeah and and who else would uh give themselves up to these roles and the demands of the story you know and with uh the weather and uh, the hardships that they had to endure not a lot of people would uh yeah. you know both this and the witch and the thing i'm working on now i kind of have to say you know, it's going to be cold. It's going to be miserable, and we're going to be out there in, in you know, on the top of a mountain or in the middle of the ocean or in yeah. the middle of the woods, and and that's just what it's going to be. Uh, so I hope you're ready to strap in. Or, or, or that's that's what I loved about it. We're we're recording this um, a little bit before New Year's Eve, and I have a New Year's Eve tr- tradition of I stay in normally on my own. I select the film in advance and I eat some really nice food. And one of my favourite ones of that was Aguirre, uh, Wrath of God. Oh, and yeah. that came to mind when I was watching The Lighthouse and, and Mono's earlier this year, year as well as films that I'm appreciating on an artistic level, but I'm also afterwards going, man, that must have been f- physically and mentally taxing on everyone involved. To make it, it must have been as you say, a huge undertaking to warn them in advance and say, look, this isn't going to be fun. <laughs> yeah. But, and, and there is fun in that, you yeah, know, there's completely. fun in, in, in conquering it. But you know, when it's zero degrees with gale force winds and freezing rain, uh, you can't in, 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 on a rock in the middle of the North Atlantic, like you can't yeah. move quickly, you know, camera equipment's going to break down like, and, and every day was, so if it was bad weather, we were excited because we were sh- shooting our exteriors, but we were go- getting behind schedule because we're moving slowly. Yeah. And then if it's nice weather, we're getting behind schedule because there's not very much that we can shoot with nice weather. So yeah. we're like, you know, inside trying to do that. So it was always tricky. And the scene work was demanding. I mean, there was not a lot of joking around 
uh, on set. We people needed to be very focused. Uh, I was approving the DVD or Blu-ray extras, and there's lots of like me and Rob and Willem like laughing and patting shoulders. And I was like, wow, they must have found every, like all 15 <laughs> times we ever did that, <laughs> you know? I love that. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I mean, there was much more like focus and endurance and then uh, going to your hotel room to get dry, get warm, cry and, and drink uh, to get ready for the next day. Yeah. Like, how was it to direct them in these situations? I mean, it's, it strikes me that, from what you've said there, I would assume there was a lot of rehearsal so that you're good to go when the weather allows you. Because if you're so dependent on the weather, you can't have that, oh, we'll do this 20 times, 30 times. It's like we need to be prepared, as you said, to, to go w- when we go. Yeah, there was, a, there was a week of rehearsal, which felt like three weeks to Robert Pattinson. Um, and uh, and was in that, that, that was very important to learn the, the blocking beforehand. Uh, yeah. But... Yeah, I mean, Willem comes from theater. He doesn't necessarily need rehearsal. He's done films where he's improvised, you know, in Italian and you know, yeah, on the yeah. off the cuff, right? Yeah. But uh, but but he comes from theater and understands that discipline and found it to be very enjoyable. But Rob really didn't enjoy the rehearsal process and and found it like stifling. But that was kind of a great tension in their characters yeah you know uh, so you know and i wasn't like i'm not some kubrickian sadistic manipulator that's trying to like create uncomfortable and negative tensions on set but the camera sees what the camera sees yeah, you know? yeah. and 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 uh, again someone like robert who's a great actor will know that that can be put into the character again the character is of course the whole point yeah. of the character is he's uncomfortable he's 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 not in he's not happy to be there essentially exactly. he's there yeah. out of necessity so the more he's feeling that the the more layers there's going to be yeah you know and yeah and how much is that like just them how much is that them unconsciously becoming the character or relating to the character or consciously doing that. Yeah. You, you know, but it, but it's a, you know, but it, but it's, you know, hopefully it works. Yeah. I love it. It's, and again, it it works amazingly, but so did you have to direct them differently? Because again, you've said that Willem has so much experience in that area and uh, and Robert found the, the approach stifling. Did that mean you had to adjust your approach as, as, as the director and have these intense, because they, they will have had to have an intense, a one-on-one relationship uh, with each other in filming. And it feels like you would have had to have quite one-on-one relationships with either of them as well. Yeah. And I think, I think, again, I think, I think part of it is this movie. Mm. I think part of it is these characters. And I think part of it is, is how these actors are working in these settings. And then with me, I I think that if I worked with Defoe or Rob on another movie, it might be very different. But on, on this movie, like with Willem, it was nearly all, like technical, uh, and certainly I gave Rob technical directions, usually just like faster. But Rob had a lot more questions about his backstory and his past, and so on and so forth. And he needed answers to these questions to like perform the scene, whereas you know Willem didn't. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, there's that makes there's sense a, though. There's, for there's the a movie. poetic. I was going to say there's a poetic beauty in that because we we get this backstory unraveling, and we get kind of no backstory on. On, on on Willem, it's kind of like yeah. he is this mysterious, and Robert's character in the movie has no backstory on Willem, right. and it's kind of it all, all all plays in beautifully there. So, I mean, I've talked about those those one on one relationships and the approach that you have had to take, but it feels like the kind of the fourth piece of the puzzle is is it a Yarin? Is it Jaren? Jaren? I I went before I met him like fifteen years ago. Uh, I get, or probably just ten, but I don't know. Uh, it feels like longer, Jaren. Yeah. Uh, I the fir- I you know yeah I thought it was Yaren Blaschka, yeah, but it's Jaren Blaschke. It's confusing because the, you try and be educated on languages, and in Portuguese they the the R becomes a, a H, but in Spanish in in in, in Mexican it doesn't. It, it, it yeah. remains a, the J remains a J, or no, the J becomes an H. It's so confusing. But yeah, yeah. anyway, n- names aside. Jaren, the the cinematographer who you worked with on The Witch as well. Mm -hmm. He also did my short films that aren't 
uh, rubbish, as you'd say over here. <laughs> and uh, and we worked together a lot when I was in the art department, like on other p- directors' uh, yeah. films. So so, uh, how key a part is that is that relationship? Because it feels like again, y- we're seeing the actors have to go through this experience. We're knowing the director has to go through this experience. It's easy to forget that there's a cinematographer there who's having to go through it and having to to pick out this the the beauty in it all. Yeah, I mean, Jaron said that he'd never worked on a film where the shooting of the film so closely mirrored uh, the story. Yeah. So he was part of that too. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the, I mean, if anyone has anything nice or not nice to say about the cinematic language of my movies, I mean, it's a, it's very much a collaboration between me and Jaron. I, yeah. if, if, uh, if it wasn't for Jaron, uh, my films would be way less visually, uh, com- compelling. Like yeah. certainly the production design and the costumes would be as specific, but I think it would be a little bit more, expected otherwise you know yeah. we, we we plan the shots together jaron uh i mean this is an oversimplification but i would say that generally jaron elevates my ideas and i simplify his right uh, but we're trying to find something that's very uh, uh, uh essential and spare uh something that uh every cut it matters every cut is there for a reason obviously like when you're doing something that's shot first shot like that those cuts all are about me and Louise Ford, the editor's work, but so much of the film is very much designed and, and knowing that, you know, if the last image is a close up of a, of a pillow that uh, a wide shot of a, of a rock might be a nice thing to cut to as a visual juxtaposition, if that so serves the story and so on. Yeah. You know, how, how is that as a, a, a director kind of particularly as, as a, as a, a young and new director who's instantly kind of getting a lot of respect and attention and, and praise early on. How is it being, because you seem very aware very early that it's such a collaboration and, you know, it might be thought of as, 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 as a Robert Eggers film, but there's such, it's such a collaborative process and, and the editing, again, I think in, in the lightest in particular, it's such a key part because there's yeah. so many bits that do just juxtapose perfectly and lead you on or just, a jarring like out of nowhere make you jump and it's it's is everyone working on that i guess yeah i mean um some european uh and south american posters write a film by robert eggers by mistake but i like i don't take that credit yeah. because it is uh, a collabor it is a collaboration between everyone and jaron and louise i've been working with for over 10 years but like i craig and linda the costume designer and production designer were from The Witch and on The Lighthouse, and we're all working together on on the next film. And and as we work together with each other uh, more and more often, like the shorthand becomes more clear and precise, and and everyone can like expect and know what what people need. And we also know even better how to push each other. Yeah, you know, because we also and we also know what we were and weren't satisfied with in the last film, so that we can, you know, hopefully grow and, and develop together. I love that, and it, it feels like a film like The Lighthouse would fast track that shorthand intensely. You Indeed. know, no, particularly yeah. with with, with Jaren, like with anyone on location, essentially, that yeah. shorthand had to become instant. Because, yeah. and I mean, I should, I'd, I'd like to talk more about the location, and I've just realize we've not really said anything about the film essentially it's set in a lighthouse and it's too too um yeah it's too it's too it's uh t- takes place at the turn of the century uh far off the coast of of maine though it could be you know uh once upon a time yeah and it you know it's so it's, it's a mysterious island and uh a storm comes and they get marooned on the island and, and things, you know, go from bad to worse. Uh, and the, the shorter version is nothing good happens to yeah. two men trapped in a giant phallus. So, yeah. 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 So, so at what point on finding the location or was there a point that the excitement of finding this perfect, amazing location wore off enough for you to go, oh, fuck, we're going to have to be on this on this seemingly secluded, quite out of anywhere, you know, hard to shoot type 
Yeah, we were we were there on a scout uh, on a recce after like we'd already chosen the location they had started building and uh, we were there just trying to plan some shots and it was the day after a nor'easter and it was and the wind was so loud that we couldn't hear each other. Yeah. We were like less than a meter apart and we couldn't hear each other. And all, and it was just relentless. And our faces were like, felt like they were going to like fall off of our heads. And we thought, oh my goodness, like we are here for so long. Yeah. Like, and, 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 and we're just going to have to deal with it. But, you know, it's again, as I said, it is fun. Yeah. You know, it's not like, like, did we complain when we were doing it like of course you know when we got home to the hotel or the whatever but you know defoe had a little fisherman's cottage that he would yeah. live by himself amazing yeah yeah but anyway but it, it, it those those things can often feel all the more rewarding i always remember my favorite ever day on set was one that overran hugely and i was on set for t- over 12 hours not always in use but you know over 12 hours and i got home and I still did my day's workout, and I felt like a fucking superhero because yeah. I was like, I've done this, and I've done my fucking, I've not yeah. missed my workout. Yeah. I'm still, and that's it. Said it seems stupid, but it's those things that do. It's those hardships course, yeah. that make you go, "How fucking amazing are we for making this happen for survivors?" And how many other people would have gone, oh, "We need to stop shooting, or we can't make this happen today, or we need to change change the location." There's that that sense of achievement is built into that hardship. Yeah, I, I think so. And and again, these challenges. They they make I mean they they make the work better. Like if if it were easy, like it wouldn't be as as good. Yeah. Um. If you if we faked all all of that, like it wouldn't have been. You wouldn't have felt it uh, as an audience member. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. And and again, you do. It's it's. I mean, that's something that's interesting to talk about as well. How do you feel about the kind of change that we're seeing in how people watch films? Because as an audience member in the cinema, you feel every moment of this because it's I always remember going to see um going to see irreversible and feeling like I was going to have a heart attack at yeah. the end because the strobing kind of thing and there's some similar moments in this that it felt like the room was shaking and it's 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 overwhelming in a beautiful way it might not translate completely the same way on TV but you I mean you've you you shot it in um in one nineteen to one aspect yeah, ratio. I was going to I was going to try and quote something. I was like, just no. I'll let you tell me what ratio. But so that again, that is not traditionally the cinematic ratio. So, what are your kind of feelings on all of that world of cinema and non-cinema and the changes? I mean, obviously, like I prefer to have both of my films watched in uh, a, a movie theater with an audience. Yeah. Uh, that would be. My preference. It ain't gonna be that way all the time. Yeah. And and this this I think both of my feature films are tricky things to kind of watch at home. You know, yeah. um, Bergman works better at home than Tarkovsky because Bergman's so fond of uh, of close ups. Yeah. Like you know, is it better to see uh, Persona like in a movie theater if you get the opportunity? Oh yeah. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. like, but you because of his like love of of the, of the close up and 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 the fact that so so much of his films are dialogue driven, like you can feel a whole lot when you're uh, you know watching it like on your iPhone. I've never done that, but you know whatever. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I, that's actually that's not true. I watched I watched I, I, not Birdman. I watched a Kurosawa movie like on my phone. Yeah, like stuck in traffic from like Heathrow to London. But who can blame me? Feel. You know. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, but then like Tarkovsky, uh, when it's there's it's it's not about story in the same narrative way and it's there's so much more atmosphere and all this stuff like certainly you know i watched all of his films on tele on a television before i ever saw any of them in a cinema but yeah. it was an entirely different thing to see his films on cinema in, yeah. in, a, in a cinema yeah you know? i completely agree and it's it's tough on this on 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 this the streaming thing because you're right there and something that has jumped out to me in your work that feels very European is your comfort with time, with with allowing things to play out, with allowing and space, I, and, and, and that's I, a dangerous thing at home. It on is, streaming it is because of phones and and yeah, no, you're you're like you're like oh, like nothing's happening, and yeah. like get on with it. And also, <laughs> the, you know, 
another issue is the witch is quite dark and so if depending on your television yeah. and your streaming speed if you're watching the witch on netflix it just becomes uh, like a, a whole bunch of blocks of compressed garbage and yeah. you can't like even see it so yeah i look but on, on the other hand s- streaming services are give a platform to a lot of people uh to like have their film seen and yeah. and having netflix made it so that the witch found a whole new audience like after uh, the theatrical release. And, yeah. and that like, because, because it was, you know, the witch was its thing. Great. Made some money, whatever. Then, you know, Anya was in that M night Shyamalan movie. The, the first one that was quite successful. And then, and she had a lot of people who were aware of her from that. And then that, you know, seeing her on Netflix, they watched the witch and, you know, and, and, and that's cool because I think when the witch first came out also, there was for a lot of audiences, like the, 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 the slowness, uh, and the sort of it, like, I think the narrative is quite clear, but compared to a lot of traditional yeah. Hollywood dramaturgy, like it's got more space and, and, and mystery and, yeah. and things aren't spelled out even if yeah. they're implied. And I think that that didn't work well for a lot of audiences, but I think, since then there's been more and more and more films like that. Yeah. So, so having the witch on Netflix makes it so that like some people now are like open to be, to watching the witch that maybe wouldn't have been open to watching the witch when it originally came out. So that's, that's cool. But I, I think that all these streaming services are great and should continue to grow and do their thing, but people should still keep going to the movies. Yeah, it's exactly the, the thing is, it's, it's something I, I, I rant about every now and then online, and I shouldn't be on social media. It's it's, it's the death of society. But um, every now and then I'll rant about it because I've come to that conclusion that it, it is on us as as yeah. the view in public. And that's a horrible thing to let people know that it's our responsibility because yeah, yeah. I do agree. I think streaming services are amazing. I think they've, they've brought access to so many different films and so much different TV, yet the cinema is dying because we're not, respecting the difference between watching at home and watching in the cinema. And yeah. I go and see at least a hundred films a year in the cinema and I adore it. And again, it's a bittersweet thing because I quite enjoy when the cinema's empty and I'm watching it on my own, but yeah. it's also sad because it's like, this yeah. shouldn't be, be, be empty. This is an amazing, yeah. an amazing film. Well, I mean, t- t- time's an interesting one here because when I was doing my prep, I was going off, I was looking on IMDb and I was like, man, there's a there's a fair old gap between The Witch and 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 The Lighthouse. Okay. But there kind of isn't as well, because The Witch is not as simple as, as you've stated as the release date. Because The Witch did have its release and then it had its its streaming service kind of boom and grow. So it felt like it wasn't that it it, it wasn't a film that was all about that first weekend. Yeah. It was a well, film also- that was about growing and growing and becoming more uh, known, and yeah, renowned. And, and I mean, and starting with the premiere at Sundance in January of 2015, and our release was in like February or March of 2016. Yeah, in, in the U.S. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, it, it had been around for a while, but no, I, there was a gap. I mean, but it was I I, I was working diligently uh, all four years, but uh, all, you know, only one of the for things that I wrote and and developed, got greenlit. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, what's your your writing process? Because you 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 wrote the lighthouse with your brother, right? Yeah. So, what's the process on that? And how do you decide the project that you want to work on and and jump into? Well, um, if I like an idea, I just kind of explore it until it doesn't work anymore. And then right. when it doesn't work, it, I move on. <laughs> but if it's working, then I, you know, I keep going and uh, and and then try to get it made. And then it, that may or may not happen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, and I and I and I have to have more than one thing going at once because stuff falls through. Yeah. And I think like in in knowing that I need to have more than one thing going, I have found it better to have writing collaborators because it's easier to kind of uh, divide and, and conquer that way. Right, yeah, um, that makes sense. Um, I know that other filmmakers uh, who are writer-directors like don't necessarily need that. 
uh, I think that, uh, but but I, I I'm also really just enjoying uh, working with another writer yeah. because the collaboration is 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 fun. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, working with my brother was was incredibly fun, and on my next film, or hopefully my next film, I wrote that with this Icelandic uh, novelist and poet Sion, and it's also been just like a, a joy uh, when you pass these scenes back and forth, and the next person keeps like sprucing it up and sprucing it and you know yeah. and it's it's fun yeah and uh, again i'd imagine the excitement particularly as you've worked on 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 period pieces each time so the excitement if the collaborator brings in some new information so oh, you didn't sure. know about that period. it's like oh shit this is amazing like even just yeah. from a personal point of view to go i didn't know that i didn't yeah. know that it was, was like that and it must be a yeah a buzz that, right that's great yeah that's that's fantastic yeah it's um from my my trips around America over the years, like one of the things that struck me early on was America feels like it's not got much history in compa- in comparison to England and the UK. But then when we got to go and tour and gig in New England, that was the kind of bit that seemed to have a bit more variation and history. Do you think your kind of upbringing there and growing up there is what's made you kind of interested in these in these period type pieces? Yeah, for sure. Uh I think, I mean, my earliest years were actually, my very, very earliest years were actually in Wyoming. Right. But I think in there, that also has a kind of, like Wyoming's different from Colorado. And Wyoming, you definitely feel like it's cowboy country. So you have that thing. And then then in New England, yeah, I mean, like when you're surrounded with like clabbered farmhouses and old field boundaries and graveyards in the middle of the woods from the 18th century like how how are you not going to think about it i mean look many people do many new englanders like their red Sox and their bruins and their lobster rolls and don't care but you know i was a weird arty gothy kid so what can you say it feels like a part of america where they didn't have the uh, the the thought process of that's old Let's knock it down and build something new. If it, it feels like they've kept a lot yeah, of the old and, and, and not kind of just gone, we need to be the most modern because it's again, it's a modern country. That's that's been the drive of the, yeah, of the country uh, for a long time. Yeah, I mean, I was when we were shooting The Witch in Ontario, I was very struck by the fact that like there was like no vernacular architectural traditions in right. in Ontario, and that like. Uh, everyone just kind of has like vinyl siding or like concrete block houses in the country. Yeah. It's all very practical. So I like, yeah, I understand yeah, yeah. it, but, but like in New England, um, you know, like obviously there's vinyl siding and, and, uh, and, and, uh, you know, trailer parks and, and, yeah. and, and everything. But, but there are a lot of people, even people who like are experiencing rural poverty that like are proud of their like, New England clabbered house yeah. and like, and they're not gonna like replace their rotten, uh, clabbards with pine. They're going to wait until they have the money to like put in some new cedar clabbards yeah. there is, that, you know, so there is that, that, that does exist. Uh, and it is, you know, it is hard to find the, the kind of f- folkloric, uh, New England, like yeah. it is, it exists, but you have to kind of look for it in a way that it seems to me in in the well, you know, say the Greater British Isles, including Ireland, that that is just kind of is still here. Yeah, um, you don't have to look for it. You don't have. To, it's not hard to like find someone who can talk about fairy trees and, and fairy rings. Yeah, uh, but 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 it is. Uh, trickier in 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 new england it's it's exactly the same though of here it's as easy to ignore it and sure. like all, all of the history in particular just whether it be folklore or just literally architecture just just walking around london it's easy yeah. to ignore course, yeah, the hundreds sure. of years of stuff but yeah i guess i'm coming over here like tuned into a different thing plus you're you know i have my interests so yeah, you yeah. Know. You know, and then also, and also, the, the many of the Brits that I've become friends with like share the same interests as me. So then, there you go. Exactly the same. The reason I noticed it in New England was, as Sage Francis and B Dolan are two rappers from Provenance. I wrote out, oh, and and when I went over there for their like a wedding or whatever, it's like, look, here's some cool shit. Yeah, 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 here's yeah, the yeah. good stuff yeah. around here, rather than just I might see it, I might not. So yeah, it's finding yeah. the right people to, to to open that up to you, I guess. If, 
Have you spent much time in the UK over the years? I, I know you're 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 here now and you're around a bit, but is it somewhere you've you've visited a lot or had a connection with? Yeah, I've been to. I mean, I've been to London a lot, and uh, you know, I, we did some casting in uh, in Yorkshire for uh, The Witch, mm-hmm. um, but um, but I've been to London a lot, um, and and I like it, and I am uh, I'm a bit of an Anglophile, like so. I do feel a sense of, of belonging when, when I'm here, yeah. uh, you know, I, I th- like, I, I definitely like my wife and I fantasize about living here. Uh, you know, um, it's funny cause that it's the same with all my new England, like, like all my guys who are from that kind of area, all they come to you can go, Oh, this is where we're meant to be. Like, like we've been touring LA and so I'm feeling like outcasts and they come here and go, all right. You get us. Yeah. You get our, our outlook and our, yeah. our approach. Absolutely, <laughs> there's but, a connection. But, but there is. But it is. It's a. Uh, uh, it's warmer than New England. I mean, because I mean the. You, you, when I go to Catholic countries, like uh, I really realize how Protestant the sort of uh, patriarchal culture of the United States is yeah, like so Protestant. And then, but, but New England is just its own thing. I mean, New Englanders are cold. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you go to the local diner, the waitress is just gives you like nothing, yeah. like maybe by the end of the <laughs> meal, like if you've behaved yourself, like she might say like one nice kind of thing, Yeah, but it's, uh, it, you know, I mean, when I like, like, cause I'm in Belfast right now, everyone's so, friendly like i have to yeah, remind completely. myself that like this is like a genuine behavior of human beings and they're not like mentally ill yeah, you know because yeah, <laughs> they're just so nice and they mean it yeah you know? yeah again but it's, it's 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 fascinating to see those characteristic traits in different places yeah. and, and and different areas and to be able to appreciate both yeah you know i i, I love going in them diners and feeling like this isn't the woman who works in the diner. This is the matriarch of the town. Yeah, like she, she, <laughs> yeah. she's she's everyone's mum, and she's making sure that no troubles come in or yeah. out. And it's like I just wanted a sandwich with loads of meat in it. Yeah. In this in this this scenario. The, there's this. Sorry, I will share this anecdote in the Ooh. in the diner in Epping, where uh, my family lived for a long time uh, in, in southern New Hampshire. It was called Pam and Cheryl's Family right. Restaurant. Yeah, and. Pam and Cheryl had like a big falling out and it was like the talk of the, <laughs> of the small town and Cheryl, they had a green awning that said Pam and Cheryl's and she just took white paint and she painted out <laughs> Pam, uh, you know, and it just said like Cheryl's yeah. <laughs> with all this white dripping paint, you know, I adore sm- small town drama. Yeah. I love, I love that kind of thing is it's, it's, it's the only reason I ever look through. I live in a small town. Town in Essex, outside of London, and it's the only reason I look through the local paper, like the local right. newspaper. There's nothing I want in there other than like the letters page where people are just being <laughs> bitches, clearly about someone and yeah, passive yeah. aggressive. Yeah. Wow, if someone, it's like I love that shit. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've talked about kind of the the use of time and pacing. I think another thing that really strikes me is your comfort with silence or. or not necessarily silence, but a lack of dialogue. And it's easy to to look at films like Audette and things like that that are the the kind of classics of of slow pacing and silence. But it really means that when you get the audience into a real comfort and you've got the control to sh- shake them out of it at, at any point, you, you know, th- there's there's points where the two characters are barely communicating, and it means that when they're really actively communicating because again i was going to say f- furiously but there's points where they're they're, they're really friendly actively yeah. communicating. it has that impact so uh, is that something that that is important to you to not be pulled into the kind of as you said the need to be quick dialogue constantly back and forth well i think it, it depends on the story that you're telling i think i think i, I you know i do I, like a movie about like you, you know a nun praying silently for one shot like could be something that I could be really into you yeah, know what yeah, I mean yeah 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 um, uh, if it was done well um, so so that there is like a bit of just that's kind of like my taste but I think that also this this is a story about isolation among other yeah. things so so there is going to be silence like in 
in the storytelling. Yeah. And you're also thinking when you have two actors only, more or less, like what are my tools like to, to use to tell this story? And, 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 and it can't all be dialogue scenes or, yeah. or it really should be a play. You know, there are things about this that are drawn and inspired by theatrical traditions. And there are things that feel somewhat like a play, uh, but there, but uh, there are other things that you know wouldn't work on stage, mm. and uh, and uh, and good, uh, you, you know, yeah. But uh, but also, I mean, I I am fond of uh, of silent cinema, and I I did a um, was working on a, a remake of Nosferatu for better or for worst, uh, for worse, and <laughs> I um, I you know asked the studio executives to watch the original film and. You know, I don't think many of them had seen silent, a silent movie maybe since film school, if they went to film yeah. school, and were all kind of amazed that you could tell a story without dialogue. Yeah. You know, and uh, and you can. And I, and I think The Lighthouse doesn't entirely hold this true, but, most, but, but mostly. But I think The Witch does, which is that I, I, I try to make it so that even if you didn't have dialogue, that the visual storytelling is clear enough to tell the story. Yeah. And, you know, one of the great teachers, Hitchcock, would always watch his movies in post without sound, like many times to make sure that like the visual yeah. storytelling was clear without the dialogue. I love that. Like um, Malgram, kind of the, 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 the guy who's my acting teacher was taught by Yat Malgram. And one of the things he said in class was like, when you want to learn from good actors, put a good film on and turn the sound off and oh, wow. see how much you get from it. And and even if it's your favourite film that you know know really well, you'll notice different things and you'll get that. Yeah. And I think that's, yeah, that's amazing. It's, it's really interesting what you said there about it not being theatre because you you've, you've, you have a background in, yeah. in theatre, right? And a, a Bresson would... would would speak, you know, kind of furiously about the fact that if you're making film, make film. Yeah. Don't just film a play. Yeah. And again, I think that's that's something you've nailed here as well. It's finding those things that go, right, this is its own medium. It's not a a, a way of getting plays out into the world. It's yeah, its yeah. own medium. So how important is that? And I'd imagine that's a lot of conversation between you and Jaron as well of going, what can we do that we couldn't do in any other way. Why is this a film rather yeah. than a, a novel or a play? Right, right, right. Why is it a, a cinematic piece? And I think, and I think that, like you know, there are some things that I think maybe Brasson would not like about this movie, um, which is. Yeah, fine. I mean, he's too harsh sometimes. He's yeah, but, but but I mean, you know, his uh, guidelines are uh, his 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 uh, you know notes on cinematography yeah. like are. Uh, they're a nice set of rules to to consider when yeah. you're when you're I've, writing and when I've got a, a, a folder in my photos of here of just my favorite bits from that book just just from where I've been reading like, I need to have that on me at all times. No, to, it's it's to important. Reference. It's important. I think it's also important. Like I think I think that his you know mannequin acting, like while there's certain kinds of stories and and films that that just wouldn't. It wouldn't serve. Yeah. But I think it's good for actors, though, to kind of consider what just stillness and being and how powerful that can, can, can be. Yeah. Uh, And, 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 uh, uh, I'm like super digressing. I don't remember the question anymore, but, you know, but like the (laughs) Peter Brook talks about like how, you know, the non actor performance, like, is, you know, very often better than the actor performance because, because they can just like, be and it takes a lot more craft and rigor to, to to as an actor to 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 seem that effortless. I, th- you know? I think it comes back to what you 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 revealed earlier about a robber is the fact that he was genuinely feeling anxious and yeah. frustrated. Means that's one less thing for him to play. <laughs> exactly. Do you know what I mean? It, yeah. it generally it takes that, and I, f- I think that's a really important thing in acting at times. It's finding the things that are there anyway and going, right, that's dealt with. That's, well, that, that's, 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 that's already given. And that's what Defoe says all the time. It's like, you know, like, uh, when, this is a spoiler, sort of, when I, I was um, being interviewed about, like, like for the DGA and, 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 and Ryan Johnson asked me, like, did you film Defoe being buried, the overhead shot, like, on stage? And I thought, 
oh, that would have been a nice thing to do. Like I probably should have done that for Willem. And I mentioned that to Willem like later that day because uh, we were doing press in L.A. Yeah. And he was like, are you kidding me? He was like, obviously, like, I wanted to fucking murder you when you were burying me alive, but, like, I didn't have to act. Yeah. Because yeah. you were burying me alive, and you were throwing it's... dirt in my face, and it was freezing. Like, thank God you didn't shoot that on stage. Yeah, and it comes across. It, it, it comes across exactly like that, because you are sitting there going, is this going to cut in a minute? Are we going <laughs> to Can we leave this, please, now? And yeah. it just it continues there, and that puts the viewer in that discomfort as well in many ways. Yeah. It's a fascinating one. Well, I mean – we're getting a, a cl- closer and closer to our time limit, but uh, can we talk a little bit about score? Because again, it's it's such a powerful moving part in 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 the witch and in in the lighthouse. But the lighthouse again, the witch is one that I did see at home, and the lighthouse is one that I saw in in the in the cinema. So it hit me that much more. Yeah, how key is that to the storytelling for you? I mean, it's huge. I think uh, both movies, like when I sat down to write them, I was like, there will be no score in either of these movies. They're going to be very austere and like whatever. I think with with The Witch, it was clear that there when, when the supernatural stuff was going down, that like we needed score to articulate a kind of um, emotional reality or unreality that you can't be articulated without music or, 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 you know, maybe a better filmmaker could, I couldn't. (laughs) And, and so, you know, those, those like, while in general, the score is very minimalist in, in the film and, and, uh, and sort of supportive when the witch is around it, like, you know, it, it, it's, it takes over all the diegetic sound and it just becomes like a wall of music. Yeah. So, I mean, that was something that like developed, but, it was clear that that's what it needed to be. The lighthouse also sort of developed like contrary to my preconceived notions because the witch was so string heavy. I said to Mark Corvin, the composer, like, I don't want to have any strings at all because we like the witch is so string heavy. uh, And I feel like in a, in a post Johnny Greenwood world, like, we we've it's been done to death yeah you know uh it's it's a great thing i love it i still listen to stuff like that sometimes I listen to it this morning uh uh some some hilder gufnadotter uh not wow. any of her movie scores uh but her like solo work uh but one thing different so it's all going to be like brass horns pipes like things that are like the sea things that are like yeah. the foghorn things that are like Willem Dafoe's flatulence yeah uh <laughs> and and mark was like i think you're still going to want to have some string textures and in fact he was right you know but uh but but it was an evolution to to get there it was yeah. fun i love it uh, willem defoe's flatulence is a is a key part in this and it cracked me up because because of different podcasts i'd go and i had to do a double bill of the first film i saw was jay and silent bob reboot uh-huh. And then the next one was The Lighthouse, which are two very different films, but I didn't expect The Lighthouse to have more fart jokes than, <laughs> than Jay and Silent Bob at the reboot. But so, like, how important is that, to have that those kind of things? Because in my music career, a lot of my stuff lyrically was about... There was stuff about suicide, there was domestic violence. It was quite dark stories, and it was important to me in between to have some lightheartedness. Number one to give people a break, but number two, to make the impact of the heaviness all the more. Was that kind of something here? Because there was humour throughout this, which I wasn't expecting. Yeah, I think that The Witch takes itself so fucking seriously, which I think, unfortunately, it sort of needs to to work because it is a film about despair and about Puritans in despair, and they don't have a sense of humour, so I guess the film can't really either. But uh, but I felt like if I was going to explore misery again, I I needed to be able to laugh at it. Yeah. Uh, And, like, to sound like a, you know, whatever. Like, I I was, it was like, like, what really clarified this to me was, like, reading Dostoevsky and, like, and really, like, laughing my ass off and yeah. thinking you know if 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 he can have a sense of humor like yeah. why am i trying to be so serious yeah. <laughs> you know yeah completely i love that well i mean to wrap things up i guess i'll ask ask what's ahead it's always a tough question because it's normally stuff that you can't can't talk about but uh, what is the plan you've got a project that you're you're trying to get going at the moment i believe and then what's yeah what's the goal yeah i mean um it was leaked that i'm doing a viking revenge yes saga so 
uh, and, and you know, and we're moving along, but I, until I'm on an act, uh, set saying action, I, you know, I don't really believe it. Uh, so I've said this to end a lot of interviews lately. So apologies for being no, repetitive. It's but. fine. For me, like I had a, a costume fit in last week for a TV show I'm doing next week and a, a costume fit in next week for a film I'm doing at the start of next year. And both of them, it's like until I'm, the costume's actually been done, I don't, I won't yeah, yeah, yeah. A, 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 even entertain the idea that I'm working at all. There's yeah. no work to come until I'm literally, right, we've got the costume now. Come on, this is... Yeah, you'd think so. It's but, probably... No, but I mean, and, and I, and, but, you know, you hear stories and you're like, like, oh, man, like, Aronofsky had, like, you know, had to pack up his all the sets that he built for the fountain in Australia wow. to then, like, make it two years later in Montreal. So insane, you yeah. never, you never know. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Anyway. That's the plan and the hope. That's the plan and the hope. Well, perfect. Well, th- thank you very much for your time. It's been, it's been an absolute pleasure. Cheers. Yeah, thanks. You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There you go. How good was that? As said, I, oh, I, I, I really, really enjoyed that conversation. Um, you might have heard that mo- that maybe I started off a bit nervous, and then every time we clicked onto something that I was like, oh, I know about that. I love that too. It, it I got more and more excited because it was, you know, I. One of my problems as an interviewer, again, I always say that these podcasts are conversations rather than interviews, because one of my problems as an interviewer is I get really fucking excited when I'm talking to people that I admire and talking about stuff that I that, that I adore, that I'm obsessed with. Um, and I think that came out <laughs> a fair few times. It's like, oh, shit, yeah, I know about that. I read this book that said this. And then, yeah. There's a lot of back and forth on that. So that was that was super, super cool. So, um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm not sure who next week's guest is going to be. I've got a few recorded. As, as some of you will know, last week's was meant to be Rosie Marcel, um, and that got pushed because of some issues with some sp- sp- spoilers that we that we put in there so i might do a q a for next week i've got more recorded i've got others recorded but i want to release them at the most prevalent times i had an amazing chat with graham fellows aka john shuttleworth and his tour is just starting so maybe i'll move that forward but i wanted to put it out around the time of his book anyway this is all really boring and non-important information for you guys but um yeah that's where we are. I also want to record an episode with Buddy Peace and 76, the kind of the behind the scenes of the Distraction Pieces network. Maybe John Harris in there as well, do a bit of a round table. But yeah, anyway, we'll have a think on all that and I'll figure it out. But I'll see you all next week. Thank you for tuning in. As ever, this has been the Distraction Pieces podcast, episode 309 with Robert motherfucking Eggers. Ta-ta.